reading from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? (laughs) My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs His love. At night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. And then these words, familiar words, where Jesus offers the great, he commands the great commission to go out to make disciples, and then he says at the end, truly I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there's a story about two boys, I don't know what, they were grade school age boys, and uh, they were the holy terror of the neighborhood. I mean, they were into so much mischief. They were always getting into trouble, you know, taking stuff that didn't belong to them and, and just making life miserable for the other kids in, in, the, in the neighborhood. And, uh, and they were, of course, naturally, they were always being blamed for everything because they were guilty. <laughs> and uh, so the parents of these kids decided that, uh, that they needed some shaping up. Uh, so they sent them off, they shipped them off to Sunday school, thinking that would help. And so there were the kids were, you know, Johnny and his brother, and they were the first day of Sunday school class. And then the teacher asks the class, where is God? And all of a sudden, Johnny took his little brother by the hand, they rushed out of the classroom, rushed down the street, went into their house went up to the attic and hid in a corner in the darkness. And uh, the little brother (laughs) didn't quite know what to make of it. What are we doing? And Johnny said, well, God is missing, and they'll blame us. (laughs) That was actually my grandmother's favorite story. I just remember her telling me that story. And uh, I tell you that because on a more serious level, 
You and I often question, do we not, where is God? And sometimes we come to the conclusion that God is missing. There are times when God seems absent from our life, as if God is purposely hiding Himself. Sometimes we experience that in times of crisis and tragedy. We may feel utterly abandoned by God, but we sense God's absence at other times of our life as well, sometimes for no apparent reason. There are simply periods in our lives when we feel spiritually barren. It's like our spiritual tank is running on empty. Faith diminishes, our prayer life subsides or disappears altogether. Worship feels like you're just kind of going through the motions and through the routine, and then perhaps we stop attending worship altogether. Our heart is just not in it, and our, our Christian service seems burdensome and wearying. We just don't feel with it spiritually as a Christian. We don't feel God's presence, and so we begin to doubt our faith. Well, Psalm 42 was written by a man who was in the midst of such a spiritually dry period. He wrote the psalm in a time of lonely exile. Uh, apparently, he was in the region of Mount Hermon in the north, uh, north of his hometown of Jerusalem, uh, and he was missing the temple where he felt so strongly the Lord's presence. But in this strange place and in these strange surroundings, God seemed to have abandoned him. He was in some difficult circumstances. He had to endure the taunts of his enemies who kept saying, where is your God? And pretty soon he began to ask himself the same question. Uh, well, God, where are you? <laughs> Why don't you come to my side? Why don't you get rid of these folks who are taunting me this way? I'm oppressed by them. Why have you forgotten me? And Christians down through the centuries have referred to this experience of God's withdrawal, seeming withdrawal, His absence, as a dark night of the soul. In fact, that phrase, dark night of the soul, was coined by St. John of the Cross, a Christian who lived in the 16th century. He wrote of the feeling of spiritual emptiness, of being abandoned by God. It was like going through a dark night, no light anywhere. Some of the greatest Christians, some of the greatest believers have suffered the same, no less than a, a believer like Mother Teresa, actually now she is Saint Teresa of Calcutta, was tormented by a dark night of the soul that lasted 50 years. Do you know that? From 1947 until her, shortly before her death in 1997. You remember she died the same, the same time, same day, I think, as Princess Diana. And there was only moments of brief respite, but she, she keenly felt God's absence in her life. Though outwardly she, she radiated this continual joy as she worked among the poorest of the poor in the streets of Calcutta, she endured feelings, as I say, of spiritual desolation. And her spiritual depression came to light in a series of private letters that she wrote. They were kept private until they were published, I think, in the year 2007. 
I'm told that God lives in me, she wrote in 1957. And yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. God's absence from her life drove her to write. The longing for God is terribly painful, and yet the darkness is becoming greater. What contradiction there is in my soul. The place of God in my soul is blank. There is no God in me. In the darkness, Lord my God, who am I that you should forsake me? The one you have thrown away is unwanted and loved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer, no one on whom I can cling. No, no one alone. The darkness is so dark, and I am alone. So these letters came to write, and if you remember, uh, Mother Teresa was then uh, called a pious hypocrite because she had such doubts, because she experienced these periods of darkness in her life, of God's absence. Oh, she's just a hypocrite. Well, what people don't realize is that it's a common, actually a common experience of the Christian life. We all experience periods where we sense God's absence. It just so happened that Mother Teresa, St. Teresa, uh, felt them even more keenly given her calling and her ministry. The devil was working overtime on her anyway. So periods when we feel spiritually empty and abandoned by God are certainly uncomfortable, and they can be scary, it can feel sometimes like we're actually losing our faith. Doubts seem to overwhelm. So what do we do when we uh, find ourselves in the midst of this kind of spiritual depression? And it seems like the first thing that we can do is to bring our true feelings to God. The psalmist was honest in just laying out his true feelings before the Lord. Lord, why have you abandoned me? Where are you? The psalmist just lays it out before the Lord, speaks from the depths of his heart. He complains and he pleads and he's angry with God. And the Psalms, if you read the whole book of the Psalms, they're full of wrestlings and struggles and the pleadings of the people of faith. They are honest, and they're from the depths of the heart, the depths of the soul. So when was the last time you were angry, you were angry with God and told God so? So often we pray, you know, when we pray, we pray superficially with cliches, you know, Lord bless me and bless so and so, and we pray in a formalized way while keeping the deepest concerns on our hearts, you know, away from God, it seems even feelings of anger and abandonment before God. So the psalmist really teaches us how to pray. He reminds us that we need to be ourselves before God and speak from the heart. So if we're feeling spiritually barren, then we need to take it to God and tell God so. I believe it was the psalmist's honesty in telling God how he really felt that paved the way for God to meet His deepest needs. If we reveal our true selves and feelings to God, then God can reveal more of Himself to us. If we are real with God, then God will be real with you and me. So that's the first thing 
when you're feeling God's feeling abandoned by God, bring your feelings, your spiritual barrenness to God. Say, this is how it is, Lord. Where are you? God's big enough to deal with that kind of pleading and questions, anger. And then you and I can talk to ourselves and remind ourselves of what we know and believe, that God is there whether we feel His presence or not. The psalmist says to himself, begins to talk to himself, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him and my, and my Savior and my God. He reminds himself of what he knows and what he believes. Now, you know, we live in an age of what's called the age of sensation. In our era, we tend to place utmost importance about how we feel. In fact, our feelings become the arbiter of all truth. So if something doesn't square with our feelings, then forget that. If we don't feel something, then we doubt its authenticity. So, if we don't feel God's presence, we may assume that God is not there or that God may not even exist. Our feelings might tell us so. Eugene Peterson points out that feelings are great liars. They are important in many areas, but completely unreliable in matters of faith. Likewise, Martin Luther wrote, Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. Our surety is the Word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. Really like the rhyme of that. Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. Our surety is the Word of God. Nothing else is worth believing. My golly, that's, that's something to put on your refrigerator at home in your kitchen. So here's the deal, and you know this. Our feelings and our, mood, and our moods are always changing. They are notoriously fickle. Because we are creatures, we are subject to what C.S. Lewis calls the law of undulation. Our emotion changes, and sometimes we're up, and sometimes we're down. We have peaks and troughs. Um, there, and that's simply part of our organism. I mean, that's just part of who we are. It's a biological deal. You know, what we used to talk about, maybe people still do, about biorhythms and so on. And so we really shouldn't be dismayed when our spiritual feelings are down. It's quite natural for us to have spiritually low or dry periods when our feeling or sense of the presence of God in our lives will diminish. You can't stay on a spiritual high forever, right? As much as we would like to. It's our feelings up and down, the law of undulation. And this is always a bit, uh, a bit scary for a pastor who feels like he has to be spiritually up all the time. And uh, I know this may come to you as a real surprise, but sometimes Sunday morning comes, and I don't want to go to church. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes I actually don't feel like preaching, <laughs> and uh, sometimes I don't feel like praying, but 
I have given myself permission to feel that way because it's normal. It's no reflection upon my spiritual life necessarily. I'm not losing my faith. No, it's part of being a human being. It doesn't mean that God is absent, actually. Feelings are like clouds which hide the sunshine. The day can seem very dark and bleak, but the clouds cannot change the fact that the sun is still there too. And the fact is, God is never absent, really, as God Himself has promised. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's a promise of the Lord. God only seems absent, and that is due, again, to our changing moods and emotions. So you and I must learn not to dwell on our feelings, which vary, but when we feel discouraged or depressed or abandoned, as we inevitably will, we need to remind ourselves of the facts in the Word of God, that God is with us, whether we feel God is there or not. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Concentrate self on what you know, what I know, what what I believe. Focus on the God who is alive and who is present no matter how we feel. So we ought not to worry over much about our feelings. Sooner or later, we will again experience the joy of God's companionship. So, when God seems absent, how good it is, how healthy it is just to lay out all of our feelings before God, and then to remind ourselves of what we know and believe apart from how we feel. But there's something else that you and I can do when God seems absent, our spiritual life just kind of dries up, and that is we can obey. We can do what God would have us do, whether we feel like it or not. We pray even though we don't feel like praying. We can love others even if we don't feel particularly loving. Um, I like the way George MacDonald, an old Scottish preacher, put it. He said, fold the arms of your faith and wait in quietness until light goes up in the darkness. Fold the arms of your faith, I say, but not your action. Think of something you ought to do and go to do it, if only to sweep a room or preparing a meal or visiting a friend. Heed not your feelings, do your work. I think that's really good advice. Sometimes all we can do is obey God and go through the motions, and sooner or later, the feelings will be there. I just just remember, you know, practicing the piano, and man. Uh, it's just hard to even sit down, right? And so it takes sure you got to obey. <laughs> uh, you know, obey the law. You know, you, you got to go sit at the piano. But then, you know, you find that as you're playing the piano, you actually kind of get into it. You know how that is in, in life. Same way here. We can go to worship even though we don't feel like going to worship. We can preach even though we don't feel like preaching. And eventually, the warmer feelings of God's presence will return. But think about it. If we waited to act until our feelings returned, we may never get around to doing anything. 
If Christians worshipped only when they felt like it, there would probably be little precious worship going on. We can actually act our way into a new way of feeling. This is not only true in our relationship with God, but in human relationships as well. In counseling situations, it's not uncommon for a person in a marriage to, to claim uh, the absence of affectionate feelings for uh, uh, their partner, and they may say they're no longer in love, the feelings are just not there. And a counselor may well prescribe the following. Number one, each day make a new list of ten things that you would do for your spouse if you were in love. Then each day, number two, then each day, do the ten things that are on the list. And a counselor would say, if you faithfully carry out these instructions, chances are you'll be back in love with your partner within a month. I think there's some truth to that, actually. In fact, I think it's kind of simple as that. There's no secret formula, no love potion that will bring back the feelings, the magic is simply giving heed to the age-old truth that those who do loving things will have loving feelings. If we obey God and continue to act as God would have us act, doing loving things, the warm feelings of God's presence will eventually return. And then the last thing I would say is that you and I need to remind ourselves that our dry periods are actually times of the greatest growth. Kind of an odd way, but it's true. Though God is never really absent, I think God allows us to feel a sense of His withdrawal so that we might grow and put on some spiritual muscle so that we might within us develop even more of a longing for Him in our life. During our barren times, we become dissatisfied with life as we are living and we grow restless, and we need that don't we? We long for something more in life, and so God allows the warm, cozy feelings of His presence to go so that we might seek and long for a deeper relationship with Him who brings true satisfaction and fulfillment. Listen again to the psalmist who says that of his spiritual barrenness, as the deer pants for streams of water, so longs my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And though the process was painful, the psalmist was stirred up to seek God all the more, to know God more fully. And eventually he found his hope and his faith renewed and strengthened. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. God is not missing despite our feelings, despite what our feelings might tell us. In fact, God is closest just when God seems the farthest away.